Chaos and Christ Podcast. Chaos and Christ Podcast. We honor Christ. Lift heavy weights, act like men, and resist tyranny. And now your host, Alexi Felix. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Chaos and Christ Podcast. I'm your host, Alexi Felix. Thank you for tuning in. If you are returning, I appreciate you. And if you're new here, stick it out with me. See what I got to say. And if this was worth your time, then please consider subscribing to the show, sharing it, and leaving a review or rating. We are going to be looking into Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. Now, before I go ahead and read that, let me set the context, right? As if you probably don't already know, we are finding ourselves here in the United States and truly around the globe in political and cultural chaos. Ultimately, I believe that behind all of that is a spiritual chaos that drives all of it. And as Christians, we understand that we are in spiritual war, always have been, uh, and always will be on this side of eternity. But we can see that the spiritual war has definitely taken up a volume in the last three years, especially in our country. I can't really speak to others, but I have kept an eye and ear in different things like Brazil and other countries, and things are changing on a global scale rapidly. And this can cause despair. This can cause us to fear, to wonder, and maybe even to grow angry, bitter, kind of like myself, where all of this feels like a big form of injustice, and I just want to do something about it with my bare hands. But there's nothing I can do. Now, there's things I can do, but the way that I have it conceived in my head is that I can't do it because there are bigger, greater things happening that I have full knowledge that I have no control of. And so we need to kind of reorient ourselves to the truth. And the truth is God is in control. And I'm not just going to say that and then just call it a day. I'm going to go ahead and read Genesis 1, verse 1 through 5, because I think that on a foundational truth in Genesis, we get a lot that we can easily pass by just, just in passing, just reading it, right? Consider it just a creation story. All right, cool. This is how you put the pieces together of earth and heaven. Let's get on with it. But there's so much here that I've never realized before. And, and so we, we're talking about it now. I'm going to go ahead and read it. I got notes in front of me. The words I'm going to use are things that I've been studying. This is my own personal Bible study that I've concluded to do because I need this. I need this for myself. I need this because I get too bogged down with the news and the things that I see online. And so what I'm bringing to you is just my own personal time with the Lord and his word. But I think it's very important for us today. And I think it serves well for this podcast. So I'll be reading some things on the notes that using terms and, and Hebraic terms that, and I'm not trying to flex on you to make it seem like I'm super smart or anything like that. I, I know it now. So now I know, and I'm going to share, but I'm going to break it down. But first Genesis chapter one, verse one through five reads in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. 
Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. So, kind of going through my notes here, what I want to do is just break down some terms that are found in the Hebrew that really illuminate the, the passage a little bit more. It really just brings a lot of meat to the table and something for us to chew on. And there's reasons why I'm headed in that direction, because again, this is my own personal Bible study. So this is something that has been really helping me. I need this, me personally. Okay, all this stuff that's happening out there in the world, this drives me crazy. I get angry and then I get in despair to think that we are literally living in a time like this with all the nonsense and the craziness of it all. And so going uh, and reading, we're going to do a little bit of exegetical, like breaking down the words, what they mean. So God, the Hebrew word used here for God is Elohim, which is, this is really cool, is it's plural, okay? So while Elohim may be used to describe multiple deities, Old Testament authors usually use the term to refer to the singular God of Israel. And that's more than 2,000 instances in the Old Testament. So when we see God, and I understand that, well, duh, what do you mean? other? De- I never thought of other deities. Because in our language, we understand God to be the one true God if you're a Christian. But then again, we are living in a postmodern world. So it, it does help to really identify who this God is. Everybody creates their own. And in the the... Hebrew times, the Jewish people of that time, they would read Elohim, and this will indicate other deities. This is a whole other topic for another day, but this one is in plural. We're talking about God himself, okay? Yahweh. Now, and then it goes on to say, created, right? The, he created the heavens and the earth. Created comes from a Hebrew word, bara. The Hebrew word for create, bara, is used in the Old Testament to refer to divine activity only. Yahweh alone serves as its grammatical subject. So, this is basically implying that that the way that God creates, no man can create. It's distinctive. It's a divine, distinct creation that is done by a divine, distinct creator which reading here implying the writer wanted to emphasize that people cannot create in the way that Yahweh creates and no other God, other Elohim can claim to be the creator. And Yahweh is the creator. He's the one that made all of this. All right. It's him. Nothing else. Any of his, of the hosts that he has created, angels, other, what would I say? Supernatural entities that the the Jewish people of that time, the Hebrew people of that time would have known as Elohim, right, which is God's translated for us here, no other one of those Elohim can claim that they are creators, but the one true self-existed Elohim, which is Yahweh, God. All right, so just keep that in mind. So the Hebrew word here is bara, okay? And then we can, we can see other passages such as uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26. 
reading, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. Created again. Again, the same term is bara. Who created these? Definitely not you and I. We didn't create the earth. We didn't create the heavens or the clouds or the trees. We might have planted some seeds, but we didn't create the, the seeds. So this gives you an idea. And then it goes on and says, he who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, their host. Again, we're talking about the unseen realm here. By the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. And then further down in Genesis, uh, verse 27 of the same chapter, it talks about you and I, right? Now, we may be trying to clone people these days, but that, that's not the same as creating out of nothing from scratch, originality, right? So God created, again, that's the same term, bara, man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so this is, that's what we get. Now, the heavens and the earth, this phrase refers to the entirety of creation. So the Old Testament often uses opposing word pairs to refer to a totality. So really the world, right? You, what you and I know, what we look at and when we go outside, this is what's happening here. And then this is where the meat of it all really I find super interesting. This is where my studies have really just taken me deeper in Genesis. In verse 2, formless and empty. Now, this is, I think, a commentary on the ESV. I read to you the LSB. Either way, the Hebrew term used here is tohu and bohu. And I think I'm saying that right. I'm not sure. But nevertheless, it describes material substance lacking boundary, order, and definition. So when the Bible tells us that the earth was formless and void, right? It, it's the Hebrew term is tohu and bohu. That means there's no boundaries, there's no order, there's no definitions, there are no rules. It is, is complete and utter chaos. I love that term. So that's what we are getting. And we're going to get into that a little bit more. Again, I'm just kind of giving you a little bit of the Hebrew exegetical kind of things that I myself am learning to help you to you know bring Genesis to life because it's so good, so good. All right. The deep. In the passage where it reads, and I'm just grabbing my Bible re real quick, and, dark, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. The deep, the Hebrew word used here is tehom, refers to primordial or primeval sea. The cosmic waters of chaos. Mind blown. I hope your mind is blown. If your mind's not blown, I don't even know if you're listening to me right now. Okay? What, what is the picture here? The picture here is that this earth, this world, is darkness. Right? There's darkness going on there. Now, you know, typically I think, I don't know, I have it somewhere in my notes here. Darkness doesn't necessarily mean, in this particular uh, time, evil. Darkness typically does mean that, but there's something else here, and I, I can't find it in my notes. All right. Throughout the Bible, darkness represents evil or calamity. Here, darkness refers to the unformed and unfilled conditions of the material. So again, there's just it's just dark, right? <laughs> just think about that. Dark, close your eyes. That's it. There's nothing. There's no form. There's nothing like that. All right. Now, the deep, we're talking about that nothingness, that darkness. 
over the deep, which was this cosmic waters of chaos, just raging. I just picture something raging and just in complete darkness and just there's no control. And if you were to put a little island in the middle of this cosmic raging water chaos, it'd be swallowed up and destroyed and never to be seen again in an instant. That's kind of how I picture it in my head. So you get that picture that this world is just, it's just, it's just crazy, man. It's just, it's crazy. And then it reads on the spirit of God. And so again, I'm reading from my notes. Since the Hebrew word used here is ruach, can mean spirit or wind, this phrase can be translated spirit of God or wind from God or even mighty wind. However, the pairing of ruach with God, Elohim, in Hebrew usually refers to God's spirit. So here's a picture again. It's completely pitch black, dark. There's nothing there, but the waters are raging. It's chaos, okay? And then a wind strong and mighty it just goes over and hovers over the face of the waters and then what happens and then what happens is in verse three on down then god said yahweh let there be light and there was light and god saw that the light was good and god separated the light from the darkness and god called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning one day. What did God do with this, this seemingly void, dark, watery, cosmic chaos? What did he do with it? He brought order. What did he do to the darkness? He brought light. Stop and think about that for a second. Who did that? Not anything else. No other gods that we can conceive of here on this earth. And even if you go back into the context of the Hebrews, of the Israelites, and they understand that there are other hosts of heaven, deities, they can't take claim for putting this order together, for creating the day and the night. They can't say that because Bara, God created. Only God can create in this manner. And how does he do it? By a spoken word, by the word of God, it is done. And then and proclaims it to be good, and so it is. And so our day and our night that we have here brings a stability, it brings a structured order to the world that we live in on this earth, on this planet. We have that. God creates light before the creation of the sun, which I find very interesting. Because in uh, verses 14 through 18 of Genesis, the same chapter, again, this, we're only looking at verses 1 through 5. Verse 14 says, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God said, and God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, the, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So it's interesting here because you kind of get a, a more explained 
detailed creation of the heavens and the sun being created and the moon and the stars. And there are to what? Determine seasons, days, years, months. This is how we figure this out. This is how we have this number, this rule of what makes up a year, what makes up winter, summer, because of this, because of this. But then verses up where, where you and I are talking about right now, God already created day and night. He created light and saw that it was good. So what light is this? It's very interesting. This reflects an understanding of the world common in the ancient Near East that held that the sun does not serve as the source of light. From my notes. And God calls this good. God calls his handiwork good seven times in verses 4, 10, 12, 18, 21, 25, 31. The Hebrew word used here, tov, has a broad range of meaning, but generally describes what is desirable, beautiful, or right. In essence, God affirms creation as right and in right relationship with him. Immediately after he creates it, the material world is good as created by God. So what we have here, God has created, calls it good, and it's for us, for his glory and for us and our enjoyment. That's, that's amazing. And then going on in uh, verse 5, evening, and then there was morning the first day. The expression evening and there was morning specifies the length of a day. Again, I'm reading from my notes. While the author may have meant a 24-hour day, less specific interpretations are possible. The Hebrew word yom can refer to a 24-hour cycle, the daylight hours, or an unspecified future someday. The meaning of the word, though, does not settle the debate over whether the passage references a literal six-day creation or symbolic days. In addition, the sun, which marks the change from evening to morning, is not created until the fourth day. So again, we get the light and day in verses 3 through 5, day and night, morning and evening, but we don't even get the sun and moon and the stars until the fourth day of creation down by verses 14 through 18. Very interesting. Who is our source of light? If it's not the sun, it's God. It is he who is our source of light. It is he who is our source of stability in the midst of chaos. It is he who is with us in the midst of chaos. And that is my point here. And I really want to sit a little bit more with verses 2 and 3, where the Spirit of God, since the Hebrew word, again, it means Ruach, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. To tie this back up to, to just what this has been helping me with, personally speaking, let me just kind of look at what's happening. We are living in a time where we don't know what a woman is. We know what a woman is, but we're afraid to say the definitions out loud or to really draw a hard line on what it is, what a man is, what the function of a family is for, why there is a role as husband, leadership, and women, wife, submitting to the husband, and then the children, and then the husband submitting to Christ, that structure, that order, we've thrown that out the water. And now we got people that are literally mutilating not only their own bodies as adults to conform, to transform into their specific gender, whatever they decide that they are, but they're doing it to their children now. 
And, and what we have even now is a destruction of the nuclear family. Destruction of it because the father is hardly at home ever. He's gone. And the mother, the woman, either desires not to be a mother and will abort the child or becomes a mother and feeds them this nonsense that we are seeing today. Most mothers nowadays, at the age I'm at, maybe even younger, in 20, 30 years, 40 years from now, their legacy will be OnlyFans. That is the time I'm living in right now. This is what I am seeing. This is what I'm witnessing. There is a man that has transformed himself into a dragon. I'm not playing. Very literally considers himself non-binary because dragons are non-binary. Has spent probably over $70,000 and counting in surgeries to castrate, to take away to implant to tattoo his body i mean it's it's just going a wreck this person literally has transformed himself into a dragon and i laugh because it's just insane but this is what post-modernity brings us when people can create their own truths and there's not one absolute truth then what do we get a destruction in our society and what we know is to be true what guides us this country is founded on Christian values. And so the Judeo-Christian value is deeply rooted in the American culture, at least at what it was at one point, until these evil, wicked ideas that are from demons entered in, in the form of Marxism, postmodernism, critical race theory, intersectionality, post-truth, whatever it is, you name it, communism. These are the philosophies that are empty that we were warned in Scripture to take hold of and submit them to Christ. Because we were not to give in to this, these babbles of ideologies and philosophies. This is what we're at. And what has it done? What has it done to us? It has caused chaos. It's chaos. People are losing their lives. People are killing themselves more than ever before. Suicide rate is higher than ever before depression, addiction, the, the family unit is being destroyed. Women are divorcing their husbands at alarming rates because they just don't feel like it no more. They need to find themselves. Men are no different, right? They, we have our own set of issues that we need to go before God and repent about. We are in the state of chaos. Now, I can speak about this on a cultural level, on a political level, and then you might be listening to me and saying, I agree with you. This is a crazy place. That's why I listen to you, bro. But now let's get you know close to home. What about you? What about me? What about the dealings of our lives, the sins that we fall to and commit, the uh, disrupting of our own families? If I may be personal with you, I personally have my own chaos right now. As I am a single father dealing with the weight of my sin that destroyed my family. It's what led me to be a single father now. And there's so many of us in our day and age, especially where I grew up, that it almost seems like, well, that's just a normal thing. And I always told myself I would never do that, but here I am. And this is what I've done because I turned from God, the, the truth of God. I exchanged it for the lie and try to do things on my own with my own hands, with my own ideas, and they only left me in a place of, at times, depression, sorrow. At times, it really gets overwhelming. 
Now, again, it's normal in our culture, but now I know that those that make it seem like it's normal, when they find themselves alone, nothing about it is normal. It hurts. And the depression kicks in. And if you don't have any real true hope to cling to, then what else do you have? Besides the drugs, besides the sleeping around. And eventually all of that becomes what it really is, nothing. So it develops a nihilism in people, in our lives. We grow dark and we have no hope and we don't know where to turn. And we can't talk to anybody no more. And yeah, maybe there's better help advertisements out there that you know say you can sign up for this, but inflation's crazy, bro. Money is tight. And I got bills to pay, and I just can't afford to spend money on talking to somebody who would just listen to me. And so sometimes what that leads to is the only thing that they can conclude to end it and to commit suicide. Those are things that are literally happening right now. It's a reality in our, I think in our world, globally speaking. Now again, I'm, I live in America, so I speak in the context of America from what I can see, know, and, and hear. And even experience. We are in a state of chaos that is just is it's leaving us in despair, on a personal level. Never mind the politics. Turn off the TV, and and you might find when you turn everything off, everything that I've been mentioning is there with you, isn't it? Like it just it puts you in that in that state. Now that you understand what I'm trying to say, now that you get an understanding that I'm with you as well. How does Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 5 give me hope as it should give you hope? What did God do? God did something no other man can do. One, he created this world, and then he put order and structure to it. And in the midst of darkness, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, which is what? Chaotic. The cosmic waters of chaos. Primordial and a primeval sea. There was no control in that. There's nothing that you and I can do to ever control something like that. But God comes in and sets the scene and sets the tone and puts things in order like a father does. Structure, order, law and order. No wonder why we need that even on a small, minute level in society. Because we are in a state of chaos. We've been this way even before the year 2020. We have sinned against our father. We have turned our backs on the truth and exchanged it for the lie. And so God in Romans 1 tells us that he has given us over to a debased mind, doing and seeking to do what we ought not to do. And then we applaud each other for it. <laughs> you did it. Yeah, I do it too. We laugh, we joke, we get drunk together, we get high together. We do that, we do all of that. Knowing that we deserve the just punishment that is coming our way. And in fact, if you see all of that, the homosexuality that's rampant in our day that is completely just promoted and encouraged in children, transgenderism, and all this crazy sexualized deviancy that we're seeing, when you see that, it's not that judgment is coming. No, my friends, it means judgment is here. When you read Romans 1, you see that there's, there's judgment against all unrighteousness. And then what? He gives them over to the base mind. And this is what you see. Men doing shameless acts with other men. Women doing the same likewise. They are committing sodomy. And so here we are. But what we see here is a God 
who can penetrate the darkness and the chaos that rages can be ordered. That's hope for you and I. That is hope for you and I because clearly at some point in our history, we actually had peace. At some point of our history, we actually had some, some order and structure. We knew what was what. But then again, we exchanged the truth for a lie. And at times, as you can see in the Old Testament, God allows that order that he holds on chaos, he allows it to unravel itself because one, that's what we clearly want. And two, it's because he will use it for judgment to bring about repentance. And we need to recognize that he is God. So on one hand, you get judgment, which is what we're dealing with now. And it could seem very scary. But if you're a Christian, you should know that this is not the case. And I'm talking about the, uh, like a real Christian because our, our culture today, everyone's a Christian, but they, they deny Christ, they deny the scripture, they deny confessional orthodoxy, everything. They just deny it. They're a Christian in name, and, and it's a cultural thing, but that's it. That's as far as that goes. But Christians that are redeemed by Christ, that live to live for Christ, we know that the judgment of God is against all unrighteousness, but our righteousness doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from Christ who imputes his justice and righteousness to us. And our trust in him is what justifies us. And so we have hope because even in the midst of darkness, even in the midst of chaos, Christ is indeed there. We have given our hopes and everything to him because of what he has done on the cross. But for those that are outside of Christ, who have rejected the gospel, rejected the message of, of the cross, well, they have a lot to fear because the judgment is on them. Now, on the flip side, too, the church has some responsibility because we are to be salt and light, right? We are what God uses for his gospel message to go out and move forward. We need to understand this. That I think even judgment is happening on us because we might have just dropped the ball a little bit. But we still have Christ, and they don't. And so even in your own personal life, if you are by any means relying on other things other than Christ, I was there. I did it. I relied on marijuana. I relied on sex. I relied on attention. I relied on fitness even. I relied on the gym. That was my God for a while. I did everything. I relied on having a relationship because at some point in my life, I thought, well, I finally found a girl that loves me for me and because no one's ever really going to love me. How could they? And I, and I pursued that in such an ungodly, unhealthy, unwise way that it's led me to where I'm at today. We need to repent. And we need to trust in the God who puts order into chaos. We need to trust in the God that created in ways that we can never create and therefore means he is sovereign. We need to humble ourselves and realize that we are not the God of our lives. We don't have the answers. What you think is going to work try, tends to prove that it doesn't. And then we, we rage and put our fists against God because it didn't work. Though our intentions were supposed to be good, we thought, well, I did this for you, God, but let's be honest. Did you, though? Because God knows our hearts very well. He is the creator of us, after all. I'm leaving you with this. Here's the hope that I can leave you. God will bring order 
to the chaos that is your heart. The raging waters and the depths of your heart and the darkness that hovers over it, the Spirit of God, Ruach, goes and declares, let there be light. And the light that we're talking about is Jesus Christ. You see, in this dark, sin-infested world that rejects God, God, wrapped in human flesh, comes to this world as a measly, poor carpenter to take on the penalty of your sin and mine on the cross, to defeat death at the grave, rising up on the third day. And now that we place our trust in him by his drawing on us, we are saved. We are redeemed. The light of men has come, and that was Christ. Men, and John tells us they hated it because why? Because it exposed their what? Darkness. It exposed their darkness. The light of the world has come, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning. He is king now. And so I leave this hope for you. It doesn't matter what's happening in, in the world and in our country. It doesn't matter if potentially we are somehow running headfirst into totalitarianism. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have Christ, you've already been living under tyranny. You've been living under tyranny of the devil. And sin has held you bondage. But like I said, and not like I said, but like God tells us, the Spirit of God hovers over the waters. And then he speaks and says, let there be light. Guys, God has full control of what's happening. He is fully aware of what's going on. And whatever he does or decides to do, it is by his wisdom that he does it. And all we are to say is amen and amen. And trust that he will protect his own. He will protect you. All you have to do is remain faithful. Live not by lies. Build. Be married. Raise your children. Serve your church. And love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope this blessed you. I know this went long, but I think it was important. It helped me. Make sure that you love one another. Make sure that you just put down the news, put it all down, and just spend time in God's Word. Join me in this study of Genesis. I'm going through all the way, guys. I'm going through. Just taking it little chunks of passages at a time. And who knows, maybe I start a Bible study group within a community of chaos in Christ. If you want something like that, and you want to meet and just have this discussion face-to-face, then uh, email me at chaosinchrist at gmail.com. Let me know that's what you want to do. That would be awesome. It'd be something I could probably set up. But nevertheless, please share this. Please leave a review. And remember that in the midst of chaos, Christ is there. God bless you. If you found value, then please subscribe and leave an honest rating and review. And remember that in the midst of chaos, Christ is there.